Welcome to CityGraceNY.com. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at City Grace Church. All right, let me pray for us. Um, Lord, Lord, this is an unprecedented season that we're all experiencing right now. And um, it is clear, Lord, that you are, you are shaking things up. But we affirm, Lord, that we do have faith in you and trust in you even despite these times. Lord, I just want to lift up to you, especially those who are on the front lines, those who are working in emergency rooms and ICUs and at hospitals that are putting their life at great risk every day in order to care for those who are sick. Pray for your special encouragement and protection for them. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue to look into your word today, that you would um, challenge us with our understanding of what it means to be the church, what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you know, um, we've been in a sermon series going through the Apostles' Creed, and Pastor Jesse and myself were like, boy, do we, do we keep doing this Apostles' Creed series, or would it make sense to do something a little bit different given the circumstances? But it's been pretty cool the last couple of weeks how the tail end of the Apostles' Creed has really tied in very significantly to everything that's happening. So today, um, I got that, that part of the creed in which we, which might be the most uh, confusing part of the creed for some people because it talks about the Catholic Church. So, th- so let me read what it says there. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. So that, that is probably the line that causes the most confusion for people. And I've been at church where we've used the Apostles' Creed and people have even gotten angry with me sometime and frustrated like, hey, we're not a Catholic Church. What is this about? So just to clarify here that when we talk about the Holy Catholic Church, we're actually, um, we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church, right? The Roman Catholic Church based in Rome with the Pope and all that is a very specific group. But we're talking about the Holy Catholic Church, lowercase c. Uh, and that lowercase c is actually very important because it doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church. It means the universal church. So this is the church from all times and all places it's God's chosen people that are gathered, preserved, and protected, that whom God has destined for eternal life, and it is unified by faith in Jesus and by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ's body given over to his church and filled with the same common spirit. So when we talk about the whole the, the, the Holy Catholic Church, what we're saying is that you know, the church is way bigger than any one local congregation or denomination. It reminds us that we're, a, that we're a part of something that is much bigger. And so you could go to a village church in, in Africa that doesn't even have walls. You could go to the underground church in China. You go to mega churches in South Korea. You could go to prison fellowships in Louisiana. You could go to a, even a sidewalk church in Guatemala. And wherever you have people that are gathered that are worshiping Jesus, that have faith in Jesus, right? What we're saying is we believe that we are, everybody who has faith in Jesus is part of this one body. So it's a very, um, it's a very beautiful, a beautiful picture. And it gives us, um, it reminds us of the sense that, you know, it's not just the people on this Zoom call. It's certainly not just our denomination, but it's all of God's people through all times and in all places who are part of the church. That's what it means to believe in the Holy Catholic or Universal Church. And then the idea of the communion of saints. So what is that about? Communion is defined as a mutual sharing on a deep and intimate level. So when we say that we believe in the communion of saints, um, there's really two meanings there. And one is that we believe that, that we as the church have a communion or a sharing in Christ Jesus, that God himself has brought us into communion with himself. We have oneness with God through what Christ has done for us. 
by dying on the cross for our sins, washing us with his blood, we now belong to Jesus. And everything that Jesus has that belongs to him, he gives to us. He shares with us. So ultimately, Jesus is the Son of God. And through faith in Jesus, we belong. We believe that we too are called to be brothers and sisters with Christ. Therefore, we, in the same way that Jesus is the Son of God, we as the church also have a deep sharing in the sonship of Jesus Christ. And so we share in the inheritance of Christ. We share in the blessings of Christ, the forgiveness, the new life that is his. So the communion on the one hand is a communion with Jesus, who is the center of the body. But we also believe then that there is another aspect to this communion, and that is the communion that we have with each other. And this is very important because even in a time like now where we're all separated and we're all in our homes or apartments, wherever we may be, the reality is that when we affirm this creed, the communion of saints, that what we're really saying is that we belong to each other, that I belong to you and you belong to me. We are brothers and sisters of the same family. And so, you know, we live in a very individualistic time where um, we want to do our own thing and we want to define our own life. And so the creed is a very countercultural affirmation that goes back 2,000 years in which the people of God are saying, no, actually, you know, I can't just do my own thing. That part of me belonging to you and you belonging to me is that we're accountable to each other. I'm accountable to you and you're accountable to me. And it also means that this is the true fellowship, right, the body of Christ, and that I have a responsibility to be a part of that. I have a communion with that. And I can't turn my back on the church. So I think that, you know, surprisingly, um, the Apostles' Creed gives us a, a great foundation for us to, in this day and age, in this time, right, with everything that's going on, to ask ourselves a very, very important question, which is, what does it mean to be the church today and right now? What does it mean to be the church in light of everything that we're going through and in light of the fact that we can't even meet together in person and we certainly can't do the thing that we love to do the most, of course, together, which I think would definitely be eating, right? And so, yeah, I believe um, because of the, the sovereignty of God and the providential care of God, that even in the midst of the coronavirus, God is working. And that this pandemic that we're experiencing right now, which is unprecedented, and there's, we've never experienced, you know, none of us in our lifetime have ex ever experienced anything like this, and it's frightening that nevertheless, God, this hasn't taken God by surprise. God is not shocked. God is not sitting in heaven saying like, oh my goodness, what has happened here? This thing is out of control. Absolutely not. That's not the case. But I've come to believe and have a firm conviction that this is all part of God's plan. And even though the coronavirus is evil in and of itself, right, it's causing death and devastation, that nevertheless, the sovereignty of God is demonstrated most clearly, right? And God gets so much glory when he can take, you know, the most awful circumstances and yet use that to accomplish something that is amazing and beautiful in our world and in our life. And I want to say today, and this is, this is very important, I've been thinking and praying about this all week, that, that I think that um, far from hurting the church and destroying the church, right, what is currently happening, God is using it to strengthen the church, to prune the church, and to help the church get back to the fundamentals about what it means to be the church 
in the first place. You know, I shared with you, I think a week or two ago, as I was, you know, preparing to do this online church, I was, I was freaking out and I'm like, how is this going to work? Are we, is, is church even going to survive? You know, there was a part of me that, that believed church is done for, like, we're not going to survive this. City Grace is not going to survive this. But, but I've come to believe that in actuality, that, that this, this is not the end of the church, but rather God is using this in our lives and in the life of, of his body in a, in a good way. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So, you know, I have three kids, as I'm, as I'm sure most of you know. And um, there are times where, you know, one of the kids, uh, I won't say who necessarily, because I don't know, I don't know, you know, this recording will probably be on the internet for the rest of their lives. I don't want to embarrass them. But, you know, one of them will be acting out of control and um, they'll be doing something that's just completely inappropriate or not okay. And um, as a parent, right, I have to step in and I have to rebuke and discipline at times. And I don't rebuke or discipline because I, I hate my child or because I'm angry at my child, although I have to admit, like, sometimes I do get pretty, um, pretty upset. But ra rather, isn't rebuke and discipline is a form of love. Because right, I want to prepare my kids to know how, how to act in the real world. I, I want them to, to prepare them to be appropriate uh, in, in the world. And so rebuke and discipline, far from being something that we should flee from, that re if God rebukes us, if God disciplines us, that it should be something that we embrace. And so what I want to talk about is a rebuke, or maybe you could say an invitation to repentance in terms of what it means to be the church, what it means to be the body of Christ. Because I think that if anything, this entire situation, that what it's done is it has, has, has majorly called into question kind of the way the church is done in the West and, and the viability and the sustainability of it, right? Now, I have a chart here, and I apologize. There's a lot of text, and I know that on PowerPoints and stuff like that, you're not supposed to do a lot of text, but uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot that I want to try to communicate here. So just, I'm going to go through this real quickly, try to, try to keep up, right? I think that, right, what God is doing is he's showing that, that the way the West has done church, and I, I think if we're honest, maybe City Grace falls into this a little bit, right? Um, I think if we're honest, but I, I'm not picking on us necessarily. I'm just saying this is sort of a Western church problem from, from my kind of uh, vantage point. Um, what is the main event, right? When you think about church, you think about going to church, um, I think what often comes to mind is a Sunday morning gathering. Right? What is church? Well, a church is this group of people that get together on Sunday mornings. Where does church happen? Well, it happens usually at a church building, right? A lot of times when we think about a church or going to church or having church, right? It's all about the building. It's all about a space where we gather together on Sunday mornings. Well, when is church? Well, I think in the West, right, we all agree, well, church happens on Sunday morning. That, that, that's, that's the main event. This is, the, this is where church happens. But we can start to poke holes in this now. I think you'll start to understand why this kind of Western paradigm for church is simply, um, is simply not sustainable. So why do, why do we have this thing called church? Why do we get together on Sunday morning? Well, a lot of it has to do with having an experience of some sort, right? getting together with everybody, having fellowship, connecting. A lot of people think about church almost like therapy. I've even had people say, you know, I don't need therapy. I just go to church. It's like, so church is like a therapeutic experience for some people. Um, a lot of people talk about church in terms of like, I come to be fed. Uh, and that, that's an interesting 
that's an interesting way to, to, to think about church. You come to be fed, like almost like it's like a restaurant or something, right? It provides this service. And so what is the, what is the posture? Posture is a service. It's a service. But, the, you know, I was thinking about this, but serving who? Like, who exactly are we serving? You know, and, I, and, and listen, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I spend a lot of my time working with worship leaders, working with Pastor Jesse, planning a service. Who are we serving? Right? Who is being served on Sunday morning? I, well, I think a lot of it is the people in the audience, right? They're being served. They're being fed. They're being, it's for them. And so that end, what ends up happening is that a lot of the people that are in this thing called church on Sunday morning end up in a, in a more passive posture, receiving posture. And this is, a, this is a big one. What is success in the Western church? Well, right, if the main event is this thing that we call Sunday morning worship, and that's church, then I think success, we would all agree, is that you want to get as many people to church as possible. When we were starting uh, City Grace in the early days, we used to meet at the Children's Aid Society at 11 o'clock, and it was right next to a condo building. And, you know, we would be rehearsing for worship at, you know, not, uh, 8, 9, 10 o'clock. And sometimes the neighbors from the condo would call over and they would complain about the noise. And so they used to call to the front desk, and there was a feisty old lady who used to um, work at the front at the front desk. And she said, we well, if you're woken up by the music and you're complaining, you, you, you know, you wouldn't be complaining if you were here. You need to get your butt to church. And so there again, right, what is church? Well, church is this thing that we do together on Sunday morning. Now, here's, here's some more of the problems with it. That when you think about ministry then in terms of church as being the Sunday morning thing, who is, who is doing all the work? Who's having the fun? Well, it's the pastors, the pastors and the leaders, right? We're the ones that are serving. We're the ones that are feeding. We're the ones that are doing stuff, doing the ministry. Uh, whereas a, a lot of the people are kind of left, left out of that in a more passive role. So we, we get to have all the fun. The pastors and the leaders are having most of the fun. Now here, here if, you know, I think if we're honest, I think if we're honest, we'll take it a step further. Well, what does discipleship look like in this kind of Western church paradigm? Right? Who's, who's engaging in discipleship? Who's being discipled? And I, and I think a lot of people would probably say, well, discipleship, you know, that, that, that's, like, that's like the stuff you do outside of church, but that's for the exceptionally spiritual. Those really, you know, those really super Christians that are like doing, you know, doing all the other stuff. Like, that's, it, like if you're in discipleship, then you're somehow like part of this uh, higher, higher level. You're like in this different category. And then let's talk about the home. So, so then what is the home in relation to the church? And, and I'm especially thinking of New York City here in this regard. You know, what are our apartments? What function do they serve? And I, I think if we're totally honest, that um, our apartments tend to be a place of escape. Our homes are where we disconnect from the world and enter into our safe haven. Now, um, what are the what are the problems with this kind of view of church? And I'll just um, there's a lot of problems with this. Number one, it's not biblical. Uh, number two, it's boring and reductionistic, and it doesn't connect with real life, right? Church ends up being this this thing that's just like once a week. But it's like, what about the other six days? What about the, all the other hours of the week? Like, is that is that not church? Are we not the church when we're not at church when we're not there on Sunday morning? 
I'll tell you, pastors, I think we're honest, we like this model of church because it puts us in a position of like being needed and respected and like we're the authority. And so people are looking to the pastors to, to do the feeding and stuff. But so in a way, pastors have given themselves over to this model, but, but maybe that's feeding a need that they have to be important and be needed instead of coming back to a more biblical paradigm of what it means to be the church, which is based in what? The fact that there's a priesthood of all believers, that everybody is called into a priesthood. Think about that. So I think this is this paradigm is hugely disempowering because it sets like a like a two class structure where you have ministry people and you have pastors and you have missionaries who are seen as like being up here and then you have everybody else um, almost like kind of second class. It creates a dependency on that professional pastor class, and I think that bottom line uh, it, it it is a far cry from any kind of biblical or theological conception of what the church is really meant to be. But most importantly, right. And I hope that blinking slide doesn't give you like a, um, you know, like a convulsion or something like that. But what is the biggest problem? And this is the problem that we're facing right now is friends. If that's church, if, if, if Sunday more, the Sunday morning gathering is church, then what does that mean? With COVID-19, it means there ain't no more church. It, it, it's over, right? And so I think that God is using this to, to challenge us and say, really, maybe what we, we've been buying into this idea of what it means to, to be the church and go to church, that, that is not, it's not what was meant to be. And so there's an opportunity for us now to, to detach ourselves from this over-dependence on this Sunday morning thing and to embrace being the church, being the body of Christ, living out our faith, embracing discipleship through the rest of the week. You know, think about this, and I had a really great phone call with a, um, a pastor friend of mine, and he was saying, I think COVID-19 is the best thing that has ever happened to the church. Can you think about this? We're so focused on the Sunday morning thing, but do you know that the places around the world where the church is absolutely thriving, and growing and it's just exploding or places like China and places like Iran and guess what right there are no large group Sunday mornings in these places it's all in homes and it's all discipleship based and it's not driven by professional pastors it's completely different and yet what we see that around the world right you know churches flourishing in those kind of places where church is in the home and everybody is a disciple Think about, think about that. Think about the early church. So, so let's go back to Acts chapter 2, which I think is one of our favorite passages um, because it, it gives us a better picture of what authentic church looks like and what it really means to be the body of Christ. They deve devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the, the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and good they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's a flourishing church. And I just want us to reflect on a couple things you know, scripturally. And the first thing is that if you do a search of the word church service, right, you will not find it in the Bible. Now, listen, if COVID-19, by God's grace, just lifted, and, and we went back to having church in the traditional Sunday morning sense, listen, 
I, I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying no more Sunday worship, okay? But let's use this time. God is shaking the foundations, okay? Let's use this time to think about some realities here. Church service is not a biblical concept. It is not in the Bible. There's no such thing, right? That, that, that's not a, a Sunday morning, once a week gathering was not what it meant to be the body of Christ. It's not there. Secondly, worship was daily. It was daily. So it wasn't a once a week thing. It was every day. It said that they, they worship together every day. Thirdly, pat, churches were not primarily pastor driven. Right? It wasn't a professional seminary trained person. And guess what? In Iran and China, it's also not, it's not like that. Um, but it was apostolic teaching and prayer driven. In other words, the body of Christ gathered to study the scripture, to study Jesus, to study the teachings of Jesus. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And really, it's not pastor driven, it's spirit driven. It was driven by, the, 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 the God, by God himself, the Holy Spirit that was present and leading the church and showing them what to do and where to be. And finally, church was oikos based. Now, oikos, what does that mean? It's just a Greek word that means household. Right? There were no churches per se in the first uh, century there were homes and that is where it all happened that was where the magic happened was in the home it was families it was natural networks it was everybody connected with these community networks and so i believe that this pandemic right now is god shaking our foundations shaking our understanding of what it means to be the church and what if and i'm just asking this question asking you to consider this what if the closing of churches in terms of sunday morning is actually a god-given opportunity for us to have a complete realignment that puts the church back under the lordship of Jesus. What if he's using us to, using this situation, and right, we've had to let go of this thing that we've held dear for so long, it's, but it's occupied too much of our energy and our time in making and producing the Sunday morning thing. And he's saying, no, church needs to be back in the family, back in home. It's every day. It's, it's, it's the priesthood of all believers. It's us ministering to each other. It's us praying together the way we're trying to do right now at City Grace. It's being the body of Christ together, the priesthood of all believers. So the biblical paradigm, look, it, it is so different. What is the main event? It is not Sunday morning gathering. It is discipleship. It is learning the commands of Jesus, learning what it means to follow Jesus. Where does church happen? Scripture says, where, where is Christ? He's present wherever two or three are gathered. When is church happening? Church is happening all the time. It's not once a week. It's wherever God's people are, right? It's the universal Catholic church. Church is happening all the time. It's happening right now. It's happening on the prayer calls. It's happening when you're at work. And why, why do we do church in this way? Well, it's not, if it's about Sunday morning, well, good music, and you hear a good sermon, we get to see each other, that's great. But the biblical paradigm, why do we do it like this? Is because in discipleship and in being the church, the kingdom of God shows up in our lives. What is the posture? The posture of traditional church is it's a service. It's something that that is offered to provide for people, the biblical posture is, I'm here to serve. Not, it's church is serving me. I am here to serve. My role is to serve, to be a part of the body of Christ. What is success? In the Western church, success is getting people to show up to the 
quote-unquote church service, but the biblical paradigm, success is nothing less than disciple-making movements. It is disciples making disciples, making disciples, DMMs. And guess what? The church in Iran is exploding right now because it's all about disciples, being disciples, making disciples. It's all it is. Ministry, right? In the Western paradigm, guys like me, we get to be in the spotlight. We get to have all the fun. But in the biblical paradigm, ministry is for everyone. It's for you. That we all get to play. We all get to taste the Spirit. We all get to operate in the power of the Spirit. We all get to use spiritual gifts and do ministry, seek God's purposes wherever we are, especially at work and with our families. Discipleship in the Western paradigm is like extracurricular. It's like an extra thing. But, the, but in the biblical paradigm, discipleship is the price of admission, right? How do you get to be a part of this? By engaging in discipleship. And finally, and I think if, if, there, if there's the, the one main thing I want you to remember today, come away with is this, is that in the Western paradigm, our homes are our escape from the world. But in the biblical paradigm, the home becomes the place of engaging the world. The church is the home. The home is the church. The home is the place where we engage our neighbors, where we extend hospitality, where the kingdom of God shows up. Like you think about those stories in the New Testament in Acts where like the, the jailer, um, you know, the, 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 the jailer puts his faith in Christ. And what does it say? Him and his whole family were baptized. Listen, the very first place that church materializes is in the home. It's in the home. It's with families. And so these walls, the, the, these walls of our small apartments, they're, they're temples, man. They're, this, is where, this, is God, this is where God lives, in our homes. And listen, I know some of you are single out there, and so you, you're not, you know, you don't live with your family necessarily. Maybe you live with some roommates. And so you're thinking, well, how does this apply to me? I'm like, I don't live with my family. But listen, if you're a single person in New York, right, you get to choose your family. You get to choose your family. And, and your friends who are in Christ, they are the church for you. They are your spiritual community. So you're, you're not exempt from this. It applies to you just as much as it applies to me and my, my wife and my kids. Like, this is where church is happening. But for single people, it's your friends. It, it, it's your coworkers. Um, and it's people that you bring into your life, right? You as an adult. When we're kids, we can't choose our families. So we're just, you know... Your brother is your brother, your sister is your sister, your parents are your parents. But when you get to be an adult, right, you can choose. You can choose who's a part of your family. You can choose who you want to have that level of accountability with and who you want to be doing life with. But that's your church. So the, 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 the results, I think, would astonish us. If we, if we take this opportunity and embrace it, and say, listen, we're, we're foregoing the Sunday morning thing, right? It is what it is. We don't have a choice in the matter. But we're using this to embrace a biblical paradigm for church. We'll see incredible things. Discipleship yielding actual Christ-likeness, not just church consumers, but real followers, obedient, sacrificial followers of Christ. We would see a tremendous impacting of culture because we're not just saying church is something we do on Sundays, but we, we're, we're in church. We are the church all week long. We have a dramatic impact on our friends and our family, our coworkers, because we're taking Christ with us wherever we go. If we were, 
realizing that church is not just a Sunday morning thing, but it's all week long. That's called practicing the presence of God. It means wherever you are, whether you're home, whether you're out, God is with you. And we would see God move in power through that. And why? Because we want to see the kingdom of God advance in power. The posture in the, in the Western paradigm is the church is there to serve me. The biblical paradigm is I'm here to, to serve. The results are an abundance of workers. We would see exponential growth. Everyone gets to play, resulting in a priesthood of all believers. The price of admission is discipleship. We would see incredible, incredible spiritual power unleashed in every home, in every apartment of every person who's following Christ. And we would see the next generation reached if church was the home and if the home was church. The, the results would be absolutely unbelievable. So this is an invitation to repentance. And Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Repentance, we could think of it as like a punishing thing, like God wants us to feel really bad because we've, we've done wrong. But, I, you know, that's not a biblical concept of, of repentance. Repentance is meta, it comes from the Greek word metanoia, metanoeo, and that means a change of thinking, right? Repentance is a, is a, is a shift. It's a paradigm shift. It's a new way of approaching life, and in this case, approaching the church. And I believe that now God is inviting us to think about what repentance means in a new way. When it comes to faith, I, I ask you to ask yourself this question. Have you been relying on others to do for you what you should be doing for yourself? Has there been a passivity, um, a just going through the motions? Because maybe what God's, you know, as much has been taken away during this time, much is being taken away, and it's a scary time, but maybe God is saying it is time for you to own your faith. It is time for you to take responsibility for your own discipleship. I want to talk to a lot of guys out there, you know. A, a lot of guys are just sort of sitting in the background, and their, and their wives or girlfriends are doing a lot of the leading. Why are guys so passive? Why are we just sitting and, and we're, we're watching um, but we're not taking ownership, and we're relying on other people to feed us, to nurture us, to, to drag us to church in some situations, but we're not owning it, right? Maybe this is a time for all of us, men and women, to be thinking about not just, you know, being in this passive place of receiving, but in taking ownership of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, owning our own discipleship, taking responsibility for it. This is a time for us to rethink our homes, to rethink how we're raising our children, to bring prayer into home, to bring the study of scripture into home, to see the home not as a, as a place that disconnects us from the world, but as a place that prepares us to engage the world. And finally, during the shelter order, we have an opportunity to find creative ways to connect and to serve one another. And so that's what we're trying to do at City Grace and Grace Faith, which is why we have prayer calls happening uh, every day, chances to connect. And it's awesome that in some ways, I feel like these past, um, these past two weeks, I've been like more connected to some of you by, by Zoom and by phone than I ever am to kind of like during regular time. So in that sense, it's amazing. But listen, you have time. I encourage you, pick up your phone. Listen, Zoom is our best friend right now, right? Zoom, Skype, 
the phone, texting, what, I mean, whatever it is, like let's stay connected and let's think not only about how we're owning our own faith, but engaging in discipleship together and encouraging each other. The best thing that you could do is not only to be seeking God on your own, but thinking about ways that you can encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to that end, um, we've developed a, a tool that you can use for accountability groups. So we're calling them Spiritual Friendship and Accountability Resource. Um, the link there is bit.ly backslash Acts 246. And you'll see there, there's a brief description and it's a tool that um, you could call up somebody once a week and you, you go through these accountability questions together. You talk about kind of where you sense God moving in your life. And then it says, listen, this week, what is one area of sin that you want to address? What is an area you're working on? What is an area that, that you need to seek God more diligently? And you share those things with each other and you pray with each other for those things. And then you check in a week later and say, hey, listen, you know, how's it going in those areas? Um, I've been doing this at City Grace for like 10 years. I always do it with whoever else is on staff or other pastors. Pastor Jesse and myself are doing it together right now. And this has been an invaluable way of just tracking how we've seen God at work in our lives. And so I'd encourage you to, to find somebody at City Grace um, or Grace Faith that you could go through this with. And then during this time, you know, what better way that we could spend than to be, be connected with each other, praying for each other, and checking in uh, every week to see, how, um, to see how we could be supporting and encouraging each other. Pruning is difficult, but pruning is necessary in order for God to encourage us to be more fruitful. I'm so sorry. I've like gone way over. So I'm going to wrap it up now. Um, I hope that was helpful. All right. I'm going to pray. Lord God, Lord, we believe you're doing something new. And so we pray, Lord, for fruitfulness. May we embrace the pruning. May we not be afraid of your discipline. And I pray for a radical, spirit-powered transformation over the Western church, that we would get back to the heart of discipleship, that we get back to the heart of what it means to be the church. Lord, have mercy on us. We pray for you to lift this coronavirus from our nation and from the world. We pray for you to bring healing and bring restoration. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.